Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. So, of course, I don't think anybody can go a day without realizing the terrible impacts that these devastating floods have had on British Columbia this past month. Communities are devastated and highways are choking off access throughout the province, which is having an impact on the economy. The West Coast faces a major, major economic rebuild ahead. And our guest today, he specializes in the responses necessary for economies to bounce back after such disasters. Joining us today, it is Jeremy Stone. He's director of Vancouver-based Recovery and Relief Services. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. So what should be the top priority at this moment with regards to recovery efforts. We're about a week into everything going on. We had the immediate response. Where are we at right now? I mean, I think right now the the most important thing is just evaluation of impacts. So um, typically uh, in this situation, you would send out a team to go door to door in areas that have been you know impacted by the floods or, or other calamities. And just try to find out, you know, what businesses are open, which ones are closed, what their needs are, um, you know, how bad the devastation is to the economy. And then from there, you would start to understand better, you know, what supports you need to provide. Um, generally, at the same time, there are some, you know, quick uh, starts that we we generally take, you know, uh, providing you know, loan and grant programs pretty immediately, um, trying to help people with insurance claims, et cetera. So a lot of technical assistance for businesses can happen almost immediately. How important is it that government, which is leading the recovery efforts and the uh, build back uh, or, or the rebuild efforts as well, I should say, uh, how important is it that they are in constant communication with the business communities affected by this catastrophic weather? I mean, com- communication is really, really important, you know, obviously just uh, for a number of reasons. One is that, you know, business owners right now are justify- justifiably scared. You know, there's a lot of anxiety about what's going to happen next. And so having that communication to explain to people, you know, what the damages are that government is seeing, you know, what some of the supports are going to be, what the future might look like, all of that is, is really important uh, for, for the economy and the business sector. I think also um, there needs to be two-way communication. You know, what we often see is that um, once the emergency management system starts, you know, doing its thing, um, there traditionally hasn't been a strong place or strong voices from business in those, uh, you know, response rooms, you know, the emergency operation centers, et cetera. Um, I think that that's starting to change. But, um, but, you know, to have that really good communication coming back from the economy to um, emergency managers and helping them to sort of prioritize some of the infrastructure and, and other services that need to be reinstated for the business community is important, as well as sort of getting the messaging right. You know, what are we saying about the local, local economy? Because, you know, this uh, fall and winter, you know, we're moving right into a, a heavy tourism system, uh, 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 time for tourism for the uh, mountain communities, etc. And so we need to have a really, you know, good message about, you know, are we open for business? You know, how how should people be planning their, their trips, etc. Because if we take an attitude of like, oh, there's widespread destruction, there's uh, devastation to these tourism communities, then people might start, uh, you know, choosing to go elsewhere. And we really can't afford that right now. 
You know, I, I think about a community like Lytton, which had to deal with the uh, wildfires that essentially, in the heat dome that essentially just wiped out its community uh, this past summer. It's now tough access, you know, e- even getting there and continuing on with uh, rebuilding in that sort of community. It, it's going to be tough for a lot of these others. Uh, you know, if, you know, people want to work there, that have jobs, you know, businesses have to be rebuilt. But how important is it that we also have kind of the labor available? Is it going to be difficult for businesses to kind of reach their previous heights if maybe not all employees are going to be available to come back? Yes. Uh, um, you know, I, I think right now what we're seeing are uh, intersecting, um, you know, I, I don't want to describe this as hazards, but we're, we're seeing intersecting uh, trends from several disasters. So, you know, one is COVID. Um, there's been a, a real run on staffing. You know, I think there are numerous stories out there and I've heard just countless anecdotes from small businesses that they're having a hard time, you know, not only getting staffing, but getting staffing that wants to stay and do their jobs, you know, and and so the the labor force right now has been kind of iffy. And then on top of that, when you have, you know, evacuations and individuals dealing with their own personal traumas and, and you know, losses, um, it's, a, it's a real tough situation um, to be able to staff anything right now and, and figure out, you know, well, who are we going to have to work these um, you know, these businesses. And so, you know, I think the organizations like WorkBC and some of the other nonprofits that deal with workforce really have to be, you know, stepping up and, and providing as many resources as possible to get workers stabilized, um, connect businesses to workers. And then overall, I think we need to have maybe a, a cultural conversation about, you know, what does it mean to work in the post-COVID era? And and what kind of jobs are people looking for? And what do we have to do to make the connections here? Because I think it's been really frayed over the past year or two. I also think about, I guess, I guess how much inspiration there is for rebuilds. Like in your experience, you know, how often do business owners feel as if, yeah, you know what? I want to help get things back to normal. I'm ready to rebuild versus some of them just feeling really deflated about the prospects of having to not necessarily start from ground zero, but start from kind of a very devastated sort of standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, it's highly var- variable. I mean, I think you've got some businesses that are are sort of leaders and they step up and they, you know, have the rallying cries of, you know, we're open for business, we're going to rebuild, you know, X community strong. Um, you know, that kind of, of uh, sentiment is really out there. You know, if, um, it's strong among some businesses. Other businesses are just trying to to live and they have no other choice. So they're going to try to rebuild and push through. Um, and then you have the businesses that are, you know, getting close to retirement, or maybe they've been sort of limping along for a while, and this is just the final nail in the coffin for them. Um, I think overall, the thing that is one of the the most deciding factors uh, amongst these different attitudes is how good the response is for small businesses. You know, if you have really great services that come in a timely manner and have little bureaucracy and are you know understandable and accessible to people, then you're going to have a higher degree of stickiness in the community of those businesses wanting to stay and rebuild and, and support the local economy. If, if that process takes a long time, if it's overly bureaucratic and difficult to fill out applications, et cetera, you know, people will sort of get deflated and, and want to pack it in. And that it's going to be more difficult to incentivize those businesses to stay and rebuild. 
provincial officials, they've been calling these floods unprecedented. And I think we can only expect more of these sorts of extreme weather events to occur as climate change really grips the world. Um, How should businesses and communities be planning? Like, what are the things that should happen ahead of the next disaster, such as this right here in British Columbia? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there are, you know, hundreds of infrastructure inciting questions to answer right now. You know, um, do we have the infrastructure to sort of support businesses through these uh, climatic changes? And do we have, have we made the right siting decisions, you know, just locationally? Are, are we overbuilt by rivers? Are we overbuilt, you know, in interaction zones between uh, municipalities or, or just economic areas and forests. Uh, there's just a, a lot that we've seen over the past couple of years that say, hey, you know, like the our land use patterns from the past 150 years are not well suited for, for the changes that we're experiencing in climate. So, um, you know, I think that those are going to be really, really tough questions. Um, you know, in terms of resources, I, I think we need to think, you know, we need to work with businesses to say, you know, how, how you know, um, resilient are you to some of these disasters? And I think, you know, some businesses are going to say, well, you know, I'm, you know, pretty mobile or my equipment is pretty mobile. You know, if I were to get 12 hours heads up, I could maybe, you know, move my equipment into a truck and get it out. You know, that those businesses, I think, you know, will do better. But, you know, we've got a lot of businesses, especially in agriculture and forestry, et cetera, that are in some spaces where they can't move. And and right now, I don't really know what the, the answers are to those questions. I think it's going to take a really big change in our land use uh, in the coming century. Yeah, and this might be a little bit out of your bailiwick, but I'll throw this question out to you as well. But I was speaking to somebody in the insurance industry, and they say that they're well capitalized for events such as this, but they do expect them to increase in frequency. And I'm wondering about just the sustainability necessary, the economic sustainability necessary for businesses to rebuild. What what if insurance costs are just too demanding? We even think about, you know, say uh, flood insurance and there's many businesses in say kind of that Sumas Valley that, well, they can't get a flood insurance at this point. You know, is that going to put additional strains potentially with regards to this rebuild and recovery ahead? Absolutely. Um, you know, on on the one hand, I, I want to point out to the small businesses listening, you know, to be very um, meticulous about not only your insurance policies, but also the adjusters and what they are, are telling you about the value of losses, etc. You know, I, in my time, I've seen a lot of businesses um, think that they have the right insurance and not or they have the right insurance, but the the actual claim is lowered to a point where they're not able to rebuild successfully. And so I think being you know on top of that and very clear about what you're owed is important. Um, on the other hand, you know I'm really concerned about the the next fifty years, not you know not just on an insurance level, but on a societal level. You know how much money overall is society going to pour into businesses and and communities, especially those that, um, you know, undergo repeat disasters or or hazards? Um, You know, I think there's only so much that the industry, the insurance industry can carry. There's only so much the taxpayers can carry in terms of of rebuilds. And so, you know, uh, 
I, I can't forecast what's going to happen, but I'm really concerned that there's going to be a, a pullback um, on the the financing of recoveries at some point, just because we're not going to be able to deal with the volume of calamities that are happening. I, I saw a report from RBC uh, just the past few days with regards to the economic costs of rebuilding Calgary after its floods in 2013. And they pointed out that this is likely far more devastating. That was about $7.5 billion when all was said and done. There's a lot of government assistance there, you know, like I, I just, like you say, it, it might be tough. We might have to put some sort of um, caps on, on how much relief that there might be able to move forward. I, I wish we had better news to leave off with it uh, there, Jeremy, but I, I really do appreciate your insights as always. I wish I didn't have to talk to you as frequently as I do, but you know, we're in this sort of situation here in British Columbia where you, you have devastating wildfires. You also have devastating floods and it, it's a bit of a, at times, as much as you love the province, it's like, what is kind of the uh, the win-win situation unless there's like more planning for these types of events moving forward as well? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, just as a final thought, um, we really need to focus on resilience planning, um, you know, and, and much more so than just, you know, the the um, the typical you know response uh, activities that go on with putting out fires etc. We need to really think about our economies as vulnerable and, and fragile things, and, and that requires a lot more planning. You know, at a social level, it requires a ton more investment into um, you know uh, business continuity planning and other resilience activities for both businesses and municipalities. Um, because if we're not investing into that, we're going to continue to be vulnerable and continue to to suffer from these tragedies. Um, we really need to get ahead of the, the curve here. Yeah, well, it's a tough go ahead. Uh, I know British Columbians are resilient and we'll continue monitoring this. And I, I'd like to pick your brain some more in the coming months as we move forward with this. But uh, Jeremy, I just want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. That is Jeremy Stone, Director of Vancouver-based Recovery and Relief Services, and that is it for the show today. But in the meantime, you can go to BIV.com, more interviews and stories there as well. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.